All right, welcome back to episode 197 of Two Drunk Brothers in the Podcast. All three of us are in the building tonight. We've got March Madness so far coming at you. We're going to talk about the Final Four and the matchups that are there. We also are going to talk a little bit about MLB opening day uh, and just MLB season in general. That's going to be headed by the main man, Ethan. And then UFC 287 with Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. So, Which is next boys. weekend. We're talking about it tonight because we won't be here next week. Indeed. Are you back? Wait. Yeah. Yeah, we won't be here. So, um, without further ado, let's uh, – Talk about some March Madness stuff. It was a, it's been a crazy tournament so far. Um, first time ever, no number one seeds made the Elite Eight. Um, let's talk about some of the some disappointing teams that have uh, they got they got bounced earlier than what you guys thought. Without without yeah. talking about Mizzou, <laughs> as Jarrett holds up his Mizzou shirt, <laughs> which we didn't really expect to get past the second round anyway. Yeah, but, well, no, time exactly. out, time out, time out, time out. Given the circumstances, no, I'm right, more pissed as, as the tournament went on. I'm more upset because if there was any year Mizzou had a chance to make a run at the Final Four, it was, I mean, for fuck's sake, San Diego State made it out of our corner of the bracket. I mean, this was our year to make a – if we would have beat Princeton, I think there was a legit shot we could have made the Final Four because I thought I think we matched up well with, with, with Creighton. Um, in terms of like how Creighton plays, fast pace. If we were shooting well, we could have won. And then obviously, I think we would have mollywopped San Diego State. That's just my opinion. Um, but Dave, that was a big disappointment. But we got a tournament win, so compared to years past, I would take it as a win. I guess. I yeah. don't know if we consider this a like a, a big disappointment, but I think it's a disappointment in itself, and it's Texas A&M losing in the first round. Um, I yeah. think that was a big one because they were a way lower seed than they should have been for I was gonna say as much as much as we yeah. talked about how badly they were robbed of their seeding, but to be fair, they played possibly the best 10 matchup. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. It was, it was not, it, that game was almost designed for them to lose, but still but, they played horrible. It's not like, it's not like they lost a, a close game and that was disappointing. The disappointing part was the fact that they got blown the fuck out of the water from beating yeah. the entire game. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks for bringing it back up. That was, I got, I got the wood laid on me on that one. Yeah. Um, outside of that, another disappointing in uh, Ethan, had a step away, take a phone call, but we can talk more about this when he comes back. Um, a conference that was disappointing overall was the big 10. I mean, they didn't make it very far in the tournament at all. I think Michigan State was the last remaining team, and then Tom Mizzo goes and says that I forgot who they lost to. Got lucky, had some had yeah. some lucky. It shot was uh, they, it was Kansas State. Fucker, what a douche. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you were a seven seed. Yeah, it's Tom Mizzo in March. It's Michigan State in March, but like, they, I don't think they were ever really supposed to be there uh, to say that they got lucky. is just hilarious, but I will say Kansas state did have a couple like bullshit end of shot clock, throw up hail Mary bank and threes, but still uh fuck Michigan state. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about, talk about the talk about the luckiest team of all is FAU in the final four who technically should have lost their first yep. round matchup against Memphis. 
we'll get we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, when Ethan gets back, we can have a big talk about it. Uh, my one of my I think bis- biggest disappointment this biggest disappointing teams. Fuck, I was hard to get out. Is Duke? Um, even though they were a five seed, I think that was their their region to win. If you if you're you can call me crazy if you want. Tennessee had not been playing well. Purdue, obviously, we saw what happened to them. And then they got the probably the weakest of the two seeds in Marquette. Um, who's just a, it's a beatable team. Not to say they weren't good, but uh, they got just outclassed by Tennessee and a super disappointing performance because I had them in my Elite Eight. And I know a lot of people had them going pretty far in their brackets. Yeah, I'm pulling I'm pulling the bracket now to see kind of um, who I think had some disappointing teams. Um, man, so the fact that we had – do we get no 12 over fives? Oh, None. Oh, nope. I mean, first yeah. First year since – uh, what was it? I think I said it. Actually, no, it was like 80-something since – like no, that's a yeah. long time. It was a long time, though. It was a, it was a while that no 12s had won. So that that's my biggest disappointing in the tournament. We had no 12 over fives, but how many – um, other like I think we had we had one thirteen, um, we had a sixteen, one, a 15. fifteen. I don't know if we had any fourteens. I don't think so. No, we did not. Yeah. So a thirteen, fifteen, and sixteen. So shit, boys, we're gonna have to start picking those in our brackets on a yearly basis. Well, I was gonna say I, I think there's at least one fifteen every single. I think if you want to go back to like the last three or four tournaments. And there's been a 15 every single year. I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, was it St. Peter's last year made a run all the way to lead eight? Um, Princeton, I mean, Princeton, Sweet 16. Princeton Sweet 16. Uh, yeah. I, so, so, yeah. Um, now, got disappointments out of the way. You have, you have your obvious Alabama, which um, might have been the biggest, not necessarily upset in terms of matchup, but happening that they got bounced in the sweet 16 the number one overall seed brandon miller worst ncaa tournament shooting performance since like 1985 i think is what it was was like eight eight (laughs) is is worst dating back i think since they like started recording uh stats like that um eight of 41 is what he shot which is like 19 and a half percent in the tournament yeah so that's funny fuck that and it's also like it's it's so funny to me because the the way the bracket was playing out it was just it was Alabama's bracket to lose at that point. Like they the and the Sweet Sixteen that what they were the only one seed left when they played right because Houston had already lost. I think I think they played. Uh, that Houston day. lost that night. I think. Okay. Well, either way, or maybe I still, the next night. I still like Purdue's gone. Um, Kansas was gone. A lot of some other powerhouses like some of the two seeds were gone except for I think the only two seed left at that point too was. Um, Oh my God, UCLA, Texas, Texas, UCLA had lost two. Yeah. So just was really panning out for Alabama to just cruise through the rest of this bracket. And then just to get, I wouldn't say Molly by San Diego state, but they did not look good. I mean, they were up big and then just shit the bed for. Well, my wife, I had, I bet Alabama, I had them in par money line parlay, had them straight up with the spread. Um, we, we, me and my wife left the Mexican restaurant we were at with like 13 minutes left and they were up like nine and then ended up losing by like nine. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah. overall funny. Yeah. And I know you were big 
on Miami. Um, and I'm honestly not too mad at this game, but that's how I felt in the Miami Texas game. They were up like 16 going in the second half or in the second half. I was driving home from Pittsburgh. I'm like, Oh, this, this game's in the bag, whatever. Like, you know, I don't even got to worry about it. And then the people that were riding with me passenger was like, Oh, it's like a six point game. And I was like, no, it's not. And I go look and it sure shit is. And so then I'm like, I flipped it on the radio and every bucket that Miami made, I was just like, Oh my God. Cause for context, I had Texas winning my bracket. If they would have won, I would have won two bracket challenges. Um, so I was rooting hard for Texas, which I don't often do, but uh, is what it is. So horns down, indeed. Fuck them. Yeah, especially after that. So after they they fuck you, then fuck them. Um, our bracket challenge was one of the better ones I had on ESPN. The one that me and Ethan filled out when Jarrett wasn't here. Yeah. It's in the 88th percentile. Did pretty well, but I don't. I think it's capped out. You can't get any more points. Had Texas uh, my aunt, if you want to talk, yeah. if you want to talk about a team, Miami. I mean, shit, dude. They were down eight with five minutes to Drake, and then they were down all that to Texas. Yeah. They uh, talk, they might be scary. You want to talk about a team of destiny? Now, I, it's hard to say, though, because of all the teams left in the Final Four, like all teams of destiny at this point, I mean, you got five seed, uh, four seed, five seed, nine seed. <laughs> so. UConn, here's my thing. UConn's been there before. Like, I'd love to see anyone but UConn. That's yeah, my no, but I'm the only like, team that has – yeah. yeah, I was yeah. just saying though, like you know, they just whooped Gonzaga by thirty. Um, so as far as like yeah. also, team I'll, of destiny goes, they're all just they've all just been hot, and it's, like, look, it's going to be interesting. I was looking at yeah, I was looking at UConn's um, path. I actually think they, I mean, they had they got it fairly easy. So I mean, obviously they played oh, yeah. Iona in the first round. I think when they played St. Mary's in the second round, that was if VCU would have beat St. Mary's, that's a tougher matchup for UConn. The way oh, the style, sure. the style of play VCU plays. Then they got to dodge Kansas because Arkansas beat Kansas, and then they got to dodge UCLA because UCLA choked against Gonzaga. I think VCU, Kansas, or UCLA can beat UConn. So I mean, I think I think you know they did what they had to do. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play stylistically against. Miami, UConn is a big run up and down the floor, fast break team. Miami likes to, likes to slow the pace of the game down a little bit, play defense. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. So do, do you want to talk about Final Four now? Um, I wanted to uh, – yeah, we can. I mean, I was going to talk if anyone had any, like, great games that they could Ooh. think of, like, um, what might be, like, the best games of, the, of March. Uh, if, he, if anyone has like a couple to throw out, I have a few. TCU Arizona State was fun. I thought that game was over, and me and Ethan and one of our other buddies was playing Xbox, and so I just turned it off and started watching a different game, and then flipped <laughs> back, and they won seventy two seventy. I think what's <laughs> crazy before you guys jump into a couple that you had is there were so many this year. Like this was actually a pretty good March Madness in terms of just like exciting games, um, close games, games that you thought were blowouts, and then two seconds later the team had come back and it was a two point game or whatever. So, um, kind of hard to choose from for the most part. But take yeah, I mean obviously you you have your Purdue fairly Dickinson yeah. and then Arizona Princeton. Those are good games and what you like to see. Uh, the Furman and Virginia game oh my God, the was like the <laughs> second game of the of March of the tournament, and it might be the best. Um, yep. 
what that guy was doing in the corner and he just tossed the ball to midcourt is beyond me, but Jesus. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. Both two teams we hate, but Arkansas-Kansas was a good game. Like It was a one-point game back and yeah. forth pretty much the whole game. But, I don't know what I was doing, but that was like one of the only games I wasn't able to watch. Yeah, I didn't get to watch that one too much. I saw the final score. Um, really, all of FAU games have been, yeah. have been amazing to watch. Every single one of FAU's games has been. I mean, that one point thriller that Travis and I was talking about that they really should have lost against Memphis. Um, Fairly Dickinson oh. gave them a run for their money. Uh, so, yeah. Let's let's talk about that because I think that even if FAU loses that game, I think Memphis is might still be in this same spot. But FAU should not be there. I'm sorry. They <laughs> they won the rest of their games, but dude, that might have been the biggest blown referee job i've seen because one that wasn't a jump ball because the guys never even had possession of it like i think his fucking pinky might have been touching it and then two they were calling timeout memphis was yeah yeah i mean they got fucking robbed crazy to think that they could have lost in the first round of the tournament and now they're in the final four um or maybe should have i still lost love it though in the first round but, oh, oh, yeah, i love it too yeah i think memphis um, could have done similar things but yeah Kansas State, Michigan State OT game was a great that game. That was insane. Yeah. The uh, Marquise Noel no look lob alley oop <laughs> to yep. Keontae Johnson oh. was disgusting. Oh. Yes. That was, Talk, that'll be one shining true. moment for sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe oh, not they, a great. Uh, sorry, you keep going because I was going to jump forward to the next game. Well, I was gonna say whenever he, him and the coach were like pretending like they're bicker back and forth, and then yeah, that was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that was insane. Um, the, uh, not a, not necessarily maybe a great game overall, but a great ending, and not a great ending for us, but just a great ending for a game was the Gonzaga UCLA game. Same exact design setup as the Villanova buzzer beater. Um, Tiger Campbell's fucking garbage. I hate that dude. <laughs> Um, that that's what i mean not a great game for us but he like, just, fucked me twice in nashville <laughs> against arizona and then in that game because yep. i had ucla in my championship game that yep. dude is bullshit fuck him uh but a game that i thought was also really good that came down to the end jared didn't get to see the end of it was the san diego state creighton game that literally yeah. just happened yep um and i don't care what you say you, you can hate it or not and you could say you don't hate it because you're on the betting side but that's a foul Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, if he he had him, like, grabbed him from behind. Um, at, and at that point, also, like, what are you doing? He's past you. If he makes the yeah. shot, he makes the shot. But, like, you're not you're not going to, like, contest the shot from behind. So, I don't even know what he was doing there. But, yeah, I mean, you got to call that foul all day. Did I'm you sure see that play, Jert? I did not. I saw everyone bitch about it on Twitter. I was just pumped because I had San Diego State. So, yeah, I saw so, the well, so did I. I it was like, nuts. Yeah. Dad life. I was, I was at the park. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he like it, essentially he got beat off the inbounds pass and uh, got to like the free throw line and went up for like a floater. And the guy who it's like a floater, the guy who got beat, <laughs> Jesus, like grabbed him from behind. Like you could see he had a fistful of Jersey from the front end. The people were bitching yeah. that, that was time was time expiring. It was, there was 1.2 seconds left. People like you, you can't I mean, call you that almost, there, but if you if you get beat, I I understand why the guy fouled. You hack him because he, he, there's a chance he misses. If he beat, well, you, he missed the he front. The thing he was though, the first one too. He I don't oh, he think it was in like was I don't it, think it was, was like was, him. Was that a tie game? 
Was, yeah, it was a tie game. He missed the first one, had to make the second one. He was only like a 66% free throw shooter or some shit. So that guy for Creighton should have no fucking qualm with that. You got beat instead of okay. So here, here's my thing: Would you rather be the guy that gets beat and the guy makes the winning shot, and then you're like, "What the fuck are you doing, blah, 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 Or would you rather be the guy who gets beat and fouls and gives your team a chance to actually go to overtime? But here's what I think: the argument. I don't think the argument was was why did he foul. The argument was everybody's. The argument was the foul himself. Yeah. And yeah. and I don't know how you can argue that because it's pretty to me it was pretty blatant. Um, so I like I don't know. Some people are like it wasn't a foul, shouldn't have been called, but it is what it is. You can't just not call a foul just because you know it's heat of the moment, last second situation. I've, Sucks, but I've foul. always been the one uh, football, uh, basketball, whatever. Like oh, you can't call that penalty in in that situation. If it's penalty in the fucking first quarter or first half. Penalty at the end of the game. You can't call it. Yeah, the only time you shouldn't call it is if you haven't been calling it all game, right? Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't flip flop and like. Well, that was the big thing is people were like, "Oh, they've been letting them play all game long." But it's tough. It's tough. (laughs) But it's tough one. But I love the outcome. It was great. Um, There, there's been a lot of good games. So let's dig into the final four. Like we had talked about, three of the four final four teams have never made an appearance. This is what I think is great. San Diego State hold on, was hold like, on, on. I, I, I just watched that. Who in their right mind is questioning that's not a foul? A lot of people. <laughs> a lot Creighton of Creighton fans are fucking throwing a fit. Yeah. Jesse Kane. <laughs> he, he literally grabbed him. He literally grabbed him and pushed him down to the ground. Jesse yeah. Jesse was complaining from a betting perspective for sure. But but he said he had San Diego State. I'm like, what are you complaining about? Then that is a foul. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a foul, but either way, um, glad you can agree. This is what I think is funny about the teams left. San Diego state was picked by a lot of people to lose in the first round to college of Charleston. Uh, people thought mm-hmm. they were a really good team. FAU obviously picked to lose by most to Memphis and they should have, which we just talked about. And then Miami, uh, picked to lose to Drake in the first round who had that comeback win. So like three of the four teams were largely picked to lose or like probably fairly close to 50, 50% picked to lose in the first fucking round. The only team in the final four that I had making it past the sweet 16 was UConn. It was the only team yeah. I had making it past the sweet 16. I had Miami losing. I had Miami round, in mind. I had the other two losing in the first round. Cause I had college of Charleston winning. And I had Memphis winning, so did not happen. I had San Diego, I had San Diego State losing to Bama, so I had that, you know, not accurate, obviously, but Look had close. them going. Then I had Miami, Miami, and my Elite Eight losing to Texas, but obviously we all had FAU losing. This is yeah. This is a, this is a sidebar conversation. This is why the college football playoff needs to expand. Yes, this shit right here, because I also, the, with NIL with NIL you know, deals. With NIL deals, you're able to get guys to go to schools that would never go to school there. Like whenever that, whenever Deion Sanders was recruiting all those guys at Jackson State, like this is why that is awesome for college sports. I know Travis is a big kind of proponent against it, but I feel like it's it's creating more parity. We're seeing more teams that never make it this far. Like last year was the bluest of blue bloods in the Final Four: Kansas, Villanova, Duke. I can't remember. I think UNC. Um, and then now we have, I guess you can count UConn as a blue blood, but that's the only blue blood I think I think you can count. 
So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what's also funny because you want to talk about that college football expanding. Um, if college basketball was the same way, we'd have Bama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas and playing for the championship. And look, right. none of them even fucking made yeah. the Elite Eight. And not so to say that that's going to happen in football, but still. Yeah. So interesting point. I also heard Miami's head coach make the other day on ESPN radio, and I'm still on the fence about it because it's a, it's, it's a big jump, right? But they, you know, how there's been talks of expanding the college basketball tournament even further, right. To um, include more teams because there's like, whatever, I think it's like 360 some teams and we've got 68 that are in the tournament. So you're at like 18% of representation. And so, He's like, why not expand it though? And then what you can do is if you expand it to 96 teams or whatever it is, like the next jump up, you have all 32, because there's 32 conferences, all 32 conference winners get a buy. And then you still have a round of 64 with all of the at large teams. And then the winners then just basically jump into the round of 64 and there's no first four. Um, and I was like, it could create some more upsets, some more parity. Like it could be kind of cool. You get an extra day of basketball. I know it's a lot of team. It would jump us up to more like 25% of college basketball, which is still is not a bad representation. When you think about it from like a pro team standpoint, you've got, I was going to say, when you think about other spells, you've almost got 50% yeah. of teams making the playoffs. Like, so it could be interesting. It got me more on board. Cause I, at first I was like, there's no, why would we put that many teams? But then I'm like, well, there is a lot of teams in college basketball. The way he described it could work out great. Cause then you'd have the first weekend would be Thursday, Friday would be your round of 64. So Thursday mm-hmm. would be half Friday, the second half. And then Saturday and Sunday would be, I guess the next round of 64, because <laughs> you're going to have those 32 right. winners <laughs> playing 32, yep. our, playing 32 conference winners. And then, because I've always thought, I've always felt it's weird. Like on the first weekend, you go from these first two days that are like nonstop basketball Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday they spread them out so weird, so it weird is, in the second it's round. Bad, it's so bad. So this, the scheduling is horrible. So, so then, like if we did that, like your first weekend, your Thursday through Sunday is nonstop basketball, and then okay, cool, we have three days to cool off. Then we're used to okay, we know we're going down to a, a more spread out schedule. I think it's just weird to go from Friday, Saturday basketball from 11 a.m. Central to like fucking midnight. And then on Saturday, mm-hmm. like the first game starting at 11 and then you have maybe one that starts at one and then not, and they like backload everything. I think it's yeah. weird. Yeah. So I think that so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this because it's like you're, you're throwing in an extra round. So how do you schedule it? Right. Well, you could do Thursday, Friday is your round of 96 or whatever the number is. Friday, Saturday is your round or Thursday, Friday, that Saturday, Sunday is your round of 64. Next Thursday, Friday is your round of 32. Saturday, Sunday is Sweet 16. And then instead of taking like a full week on like Wednesday, you play the Elite Eight. And then Saturday and Sunday is your final four. And I know that that doesn't yeah. give teams a huge break, but do that. That's their normal schedule during the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say they don't need a fucking week <laughs> off. Regular season. T- Typically, teams play like Tuesday, Friday, or Wednesday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday. Like that's their schedule. So, or like what Ethan said, instead of doing that, instead of like breaking up the Elite Eight into two separate days, just having two games one day, two games another day. Why not just fucking do the Elite Eight on a Thursday? Like you start the games like later in the day on Thursday, go throughout the night, and then Saturday is your Final Four. So you have two two games on Saturday, and then you go to the Monday Championship game. Just like you have it now. 
<clears throat> perfect. Yeah, I mean, you're playing three games of basketball in five days. I mean, they're college kids; they can they can uh, they can handle it. I like that. When does the uh, when does college football expand? It's not this year; it's the following year, correct? Yes. Yes, I think so. That's what I thought. Is it the that's the first? It's also the first year that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, or no? Is that the next year? Yes. And also USC and whoever's going to the Big Ten. Fucking the whole Pac-12 at this point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the conferences are going to shift a lot, so it'll be different. Um, all right. Now let's dive into the games themselves, uh, ladies. FAU versus San Diego State over under 132 spread in favor of the Aztecs by two points. I just initial like straight reactionary love the over in this game 132 Ooh, seems low for two too. very high, in my you opinion you know how but Stanford no, State, San Diego State, State has one of yeah. the lowest scoring games like in the country I thought that they put up so good I points love, in this tournament though unless I'm wrong but I like I the over 132 that you just said but the reason why I like the over the reason why I like the over is because I also like FAU money line. I think if FAU is going to win this game, they have to score. I, th- so, I told Travis this. I told Travis this two days ago, before Creighton San Diego State even played. Or actually, it was, it was if we knew FAU had won. Tra- Travis and I were out at dinner. I said if I said if Creighton wins, I don't like Creighton. I, I don't think FAU can beat Creighton because they can't outscore them. I think if FAU if San Diego State wins, FAU can beat them because look at the teams FAU's beaten. Defensive-minded teams like Tennessee, um, uh, and, and and things like that to get to the Final Four. So that's why I like FAU to win. So, um, I was torn initially looking at this. My heart was pulling on FAU. San Diego State, though, I think has has beaten two better teams back to back in Alabama and Creighton. I think they are better than uh, Kansas State, and Tennessee. I think and that's not really up for debate in my honest opinion. FAU, 11-game win streak. San Diego State, 8-game win streak. San Diego State's defense worries me, but here's a good tidbit for you guys who like FAU. Tennessee, if you're looking at Ken Palm, Tennessee, 64th-ranked offense. In Ken Palm, first-ranked defense. Beat them. San Diego State, 75th-ranked offense, fourth-ranked defense. I'm taking very I'm taking the owls on the money line. Who, That's who, it. Baby. I'm not, I'm not touching who, the spread. I'm taking the I'm taking the owls because just because of that alone. If they can get past Tennessee like they did, I think that they can figure it out against San Diego State. I think so too. And San Diego State, talk about a team that's like squeaked some stuff. And again, we talked about FU squeaking one out of their ass, getting a little lucky. San Diego State got a little lucky against Creighton there at the end. So. I don't know. Something's got to give here. I, and I think the Owls seem like a team of destiny. And that, like, the fact that the Kansas State coach went into their locker room after the game and said that you're the toughest SOBs we played all year long. No one could beat you. Keep keep doing you. That speaks volumes to me. That's a Big 12 coach going into a locker room of a – what conference Conference they in? USA. They in conference USA locker room saying, you're the toughest team we played all year long. No one can beat you when you're playing your best. So keep, keep it right. That's funny too. So, like the conferences in the Final Four, Conference USA, Big East, ACC, and uh, Mountain West. Mountain West, like yeah. wild, insane, wild. All I right, love so it, we're though. all on FAU. 
Correct. Yeah, I'm on FAU and I'm I'm still on the over. I'll probably honestly parlay them together as well. Me um, too. I like that. Well, that's good because you're not going to get one without the other. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that FA if FAU wins, it's automatically going over. I'm just saying if FAU loses, there's zero shot of going over. Um, yeah. So, all right, Miami over under 149 and a half versus UConn, who is the favorite of five and a half. Um, so I initial, think I, I think this line. Oh, go go D, go ahead. I was just saying initial reaction. I love Miami plus five and a half here. Um, I it's they've been on such a hot streak, and I'm not saying UConn hasn't been, um, but some of the purest shooters, all five positions in the country, um, they spread the ball out so well. Um, they've got, and I forget what his name is, but they've got a really good score in uh, Travis. You got to help me out here. I can't. It's like they have Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong, who can score if he's on, and then Nigel Pack just lights it up from three. Yeah, Um, I think I was thinking of Isaiah Wong, but um, yeah, just just a well-rounded team on both sides of the ball too. But I and five and a half just seems big to me for a Final Four game in which a team has impressed so much throughout the entire tournament. Um, Granted, I mean UConn could come out and win by fifty, but I'm I'm not gonna bet. I'm not gonna bet on it. So. Give me the U plus I five think, and a half. I, I, I love that pick. I think this is a very reactionary line because of how big UConn's won their games. But I even just said every single matchup UConn's had along the way has been beneficial to them. They could have played a tougher team every single time. Um, I also love look Miami at, plus five and a half. Look at their paths. Miami has had to beat yeah. Drake, who is arguably, in a lot of people's eyes, like one of the be- better 12 seeds. Indiana, Houston, Texas. Like they beat a one, a two, a four, and then 12 5, which is one of the hardest matchups to get by as a five seed. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I love Miami. I also like the under. I think people are going to hammer this over here because UConn's of how much UConn's been scoring. I think Miami's going to slow them down. I really, really, really do. Yeah, that's I, something I, that I, I think, didn't I really look at I think, that I like. I think that's more how they say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I, then this could be one of those that, again where Miami loses. I don't see it really going on. Like if if they can't stop them, obviously they're going to lose and it's going to go over. Go ahead, E. Yeah, I was just going to say I I have to stay away from the over under here only because it just burned me. So I had a parlay of Miami money line and the under in that Texas game with who else played on on Sunday? Who was the other Elite Eight matchup on Sunday? Was it San Creighton, Diego State? San Diego State. Yep. And I so I had a parlay of Miami money line, the under, and San Diego State. Everything hit except the under, obviously, and it soared over in that game. And I get Texas is not UConn, um, but that's why I'm just staying away from it because I I initially wanted to bet the under again, but I know as soon as I do, the final score will be ninety to eighty. So I'm just gonna stay away. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not throwing that in a parlay piece. If anything, if anything, give me give me both for a crazy money line parlay. Give me FAU in Miami money line parlay. I don't know what the value is there, but it's probably juice to the max. Um, I, I, I would love that. I would be willing yeah, to bet I, like plus 400, roughly. I'll, I'm going to put it together here for you guys in a second. Um, but, yeah, I'm also on Miami. They've just been – not to say that UConn's not hot because they also are, but Miami, to me, has just seemed like a team that um, – 
can pull off some magic. Like we said, they were down eight with five minutes left to Drake. They were down big to Texas late. Uh, they never really had too much of a problem to with uh, with Indiana and then Houston. It was kind of back and forth, but they just seem like a team who knows how to win ball games and they're gritty and they just don't give up. Plus five fifty. So uh, way better. That's DraftKings, so it's probably plus six fifty on every other book. Yeah, but no, I Correct. I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. Advised, I'm not advised to take Miami money line. I love Miami plus five and a half for the same reason Travis just said. They never give up. They're never out of. Never out of ball games. Plus, I got to be rooting for an FAU Miami championship game for a South a fucking South South Florida championship game, man. Let's go. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nuts uh, alone. I mean, they're what? They're thirty minutes away from each other. If that, if that, man. Boca to Miami, very yeah, close. I um, I, I'm rooting for Miami too. Uh, I put out I put out eight futures on championship on winners before um, the tournament started. Uh, obviously, it's the least the, the least value one. One, I would have won my money back, but I also put one on Miami. I have one on Miami and UConn. Either way, one of them is going to the championship. But Miami's was plus ten thousand, so I got to roll with that. <laughs> yeah, I can't can't blame you there. Plus so, ten thousand. So, 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 so Ethan, so he has he has futures on Miami and UConn. No one from the other side of the bracket, right? You know, you don't, do you? Do you want to see New State? Yeah, obviously, I lost. No. Oh, okay. So he's got. So here's my thing, and everyone can chime in. This he's got a hedge. He's got whoever plays Miami or or uh, fuck Miami. I can't. Or, I can't hedge ever. with UConn. I can't hedge with UConn because if they win, I would break even on what okay. I put down. But if Miami, it was, it was five to win five hundred. Okay. So I can I'm hedge not, a little bit. I'm not going to tell you. I hate you, hedging, though. I'm, oh, I hate hedging. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do one way or another, but personal You're opinion. Person, I know. I just I just messed it up even more. <laughs> um, personal opinion, whoever wins that Miami-UConn game is winning it all. And I, and I, I don't think, so, think the other side really has a chance. No, no they disrespect are, to FAU. I mean no disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> but... Yeah, no. They're the I, better I, teams, absolutely, of the four. But it works out to where they're both really good matchups for each other. Like, they're yeah. both going to be good games, but Miami-UConn, I think they're next level above San Diego State and fucking FAU. Yeah. So, so cool. Maybe FAU. We are all in the same boat. We're all rooting for the same Probably. peeps this weekend. We are. By the way, Florida Atlantic and University of Miami are a one hour and three minutes away from each other. Probably after you take kind of, I bet from the edge of Miami to the edge of Boca though it's probably only like forty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, there's your March Madness shit talk. Um, let's move on into MLB. Ethan. Yeah, let's do it. Floor's yours. Um, so I can I'll lead this one. Obviously, MLB is kind of my strong suit. It's kind of really my only strong suit. I. I'm okay with NFL too, I guess. Um, but I'll leave this one so that way Travis and Jarrett can take us home with the UFC and I will just throw random picks out and people can either tail or fade, probably want to fade. Um, but yeah, so with the MLB, I'm not really going to talk too much about it. I told Travis and Jarrett today because, and they made some good points, right? Like I'm a, I'm a huge MLB person, but I do understand that long season, early season predictions rarely come to fruition 
it's really hard to tell from early on who's going to win MVP, who's even going to win a division for that matter, unless it's just those really strong teams. But I decided I think it'd be a good idea or at least a fun one to just give you guys like five, not necessarily bold, but big predictions for this season from me. And then Jarrett and Travis have no idea what they're going to be and they can react in whatever way they want. So I will just kick it off with my first big reaction of the 2023 season. And it's that somebody this year is going to steal 60 plus bases. And then here is my reasoning behind it. Um, Now you have the pickoff rule. You have the pitch clock or the, uh, yeah, the pitch clock rule, um, the batter getting to the box and stuff like that. If you see that as a runner and you can kind of time it in your head and you know, the pitcher either has to pitch is going to pick off whatever. If he's already picked off once, he's probably not going to pick off again, get a sizable lead. You got these fast guys out here. Um, The shift was banned. So I think that just, the way that the game is working out right now, you're going to have a lot of more steal attempts and you're going to have a lot of these fast guys that are going to get a lot more successful stolen bases. Yes, Travis. You missed uh, one of the biggest points possible for this. The bases are bigger. And the bases are bigger. Yes. By like, what is it like an extra <laughs> six inches or something like that? Hey, in full diameter. I don't know. Either way. It yeah, adds length. So many, and so nobody has stole 60 bases or more since 2010. I believe it was Juan Pierre. Um, What did I say? I said stole. No, I did not. It sounded like stole. stole. I swear. (laughs) All right. Well, fuck you guys. Um, Stole 60 bases. Stole 10 bases. Ain't nobody done that shit since 2010, boys. Um, But yeah, Juan Pierre in 2010. Yep, I think uh, Altuve got your... within like four in like 2015, but nobody has gotten real relatively close in the last. 13 yeah, years, who led? So. Do you know who led the MLB in steals last season? Jorge Mateo with 35, um, and then you had guys like Tommy Edmond who had like 27. Um, Trey Turner. I think if anybody's going to do it next year, it's probably going to be Trey Turner. Like the dude is just so fast; he gets on base. Um, so yeah, I but but I think somebody will. And it might even shoot right. above that, but we'll see. All right. I got, I, so I'm going to start throwing questions out here. Cause like I, I used to be a big baseball guy. I told these guys today, like sad to say, I probably couldn't name 20, 30 players outside of the Cardinals. And I'm being legitimately serious when I say that. Um, who's going to be a surprise team. Who's going to be a team that a lot of people are kind of like doubting this year going into the season. You're like, Hey, th- this team I think can, can make some noise. Yeah. And people might hate me for saying this, but it's the Texas Rangers. Um, they they've put together they put together a good roster last year on like the offensive side and it just really didn't pan out a ton for them like Corey Seager was really slow to get going so was Marcus Simeon um but then they go out and I get it they add Jacob DeGrom and there's so many question marks there right but if you can even get a relatively healthy season out of DeGrom and then they've got a decent rotation behind him and I'm blanking on who it is right now but I could look it up but either way they've got a pretty solid rotation down there they've got a a good lineup um I think that they're going to make some noise in the AL West. The problem is that they're in the AL West, and that includes a young and revamped Seattle Mariners. The Angels, who probably will only win 80 games, even though they have two perennial MVP candidates on their team. Um, The Houston Astros, who just won the World Series again. Yeah, and then added Jose Abreu. (laughs) Um, So they're in a really tough division, but I think the Texas Rangers are going to surprise some people and be competitive. I also think, and this is going to be out of left field, but they did they played well last year. But the Baltimore Orioles, um, another division that's a tough one to win. 
but they've got a lot of young talent too. They've also added some, some pitching depth. Um, so I think that they'll make it competitive with teams like the Yankees, the ball, the Red Sox are not going to be good. Um, so that's a team that they really don't have to worry about. The Blue Jays will be good. And then the Rays seem to just be sneaky, consistently good as well. So another tough division, but I think those two teams, the Rangers and the Orioles will surprise some people. Um, so we'll see. I don't think a lot of people are like, oh, the Chicago Cubs made so many moves. And I'm not saying this. Their roster does fan. scare me looking at it. It's it's It would be scary in 2017. Um, yeah. And, so and maybe they will surprise some people. And I might just be being biased because I hate the Cubs. But Cody Bellinger, to me, is not a, oh, my God, look at this move they made. Jamison Tyone is not some crazy, like, oh, look at this pitcher they just picked up from the Yankees um, or the Mets. I don't remember. One of those New York teams. Um and then Danny Swatson, sorry. good pitch or good pickup, cool. But last season was really his first above average season that he's had. Danny Swatson's overrated. He well, and he's overrated because when he came out as a prospect, he was supposed to be the next generational talent, like gonna blow everybody away. The next Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, um, coming was in. Was he Vandy? That I don't remember actually. I yes. I, don't, I do not know. Yes. He wasn't Vandy. Um, so swamp trash. I think that he's a little overhyped because of that. I still do think that he's overrated in general just because of the big season he had last year. Outside of that season, he has been average to good, not great. But you know what? He might have just busted out, and maybe he'll be fantastic next year. We'll see. All right, Travis, your turn Your, your turn for a question because I have another one I want to ask. Do you have one? I have one. Sorry, um, I didn't come loaded. I didn't know this was an interview. <laughs> uh, he's 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 ask the, it's ask the expert. Right, Actually, so ask the expert hour. Yeah, who's it's a guy Coxpert. that everyone that everyone's high on this year? Like whether it's pitching, hitting, fielding, you know, someone who wants to be a good player this year. But you're like, I don't see it. Whether you know, I I don't think they're gonna they're gonna have a good season. They're they're gonna fall off a bit. That's actually that's a really good question. Um, and it might take me a second to answer that one. I. My initial, like, as soon as you said that, I was going to say Julio Rodriguez, but I actually really like Julio Rodriguez, so I can't sit here and say that he's oh, he's going to be a bust or whatever. I think, um, God, well, I'll, I'll give you one that I don't, I, I don't know if anybody's like, oh, my God, he's going to be so good this year or whatever, but somebody who's been really good for a really long time and everybody was freaking out like, oh, my God, we signed him, we got him, like, this team's going to be so good, and it's Justin Verland. Um and dudes obviously just won another Cy Young, right? Won a Cy Young last year. I'm not, I don't think I'm talking out of my ass. Um, obviously, they had a really good season for somebody who's 40. And then the Mets go out and sign him. And now they've got Verlander and Scherzer at the top of the rotation. This is going to kind of bleed into one of my other big predictions, but I don't think either of them are going to be overly amazing this year. They're both getting old. Obviously, Verlander is already very old. Um, and of course, you know, Mets fans and no, sorry, Mets fans. I'm, but I also don't really like your team. Um, but those two pitchers are not going to take you very far and you just lost your closer. Um, so that's kind of my thing is like Verlander had a great year last year. I think he's going to underwhelm people tremendously this year. And if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong, but I just, I don't think he's going to have some, some crazy season like he did last year. Yeah. He Verlander did win the Cy Young with uh, Al, Alcantara. So, or yeah. Alcantara, however, however you want to say it. Also um, sneaky good. <laughs> team this year like rotation i have a question another good team no the marlins i have a uh a question for you or guess for you 
How many games combined do Shohei Otani and Mike Trout play? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. I mean, Shohei had do a they combine year for year, over but... a full season? Yes, but I do see where you're coming from. So Shohei had a pretty healthy season last year, but obviously Mike Trout did not. Um, the problem is, is that it's either one or the other. It's never both. So, yeah. I, I will mean, die on this hill that <laughs> Mike Trout is the most overrated player in the history of baseball. That's Oof. a strong statement. Um, yeah. But I'm not I, saying that he's not good. Listen, before anyone gets mad and comes at me, <laughs> I'm not saying that he's not good, but I'm saying the pedestal that people put him on is yeah, just absolutely stupid. I'm sorry. The dude is, I mean, I don't know. He's, well, had, he's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the better ones of this generation, but in terms of best baseball player ever in the entire world, and oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I think people, 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 yep. people say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you got to think back in like, in, I don't, I don't know how far back I need to go, but we'll say back in like 2018, right? He, he was like the potential greatest ba- or baseball player of all time. Like that was his track, and people were like, "Oh, he's going to be like 650 plus home runs, a career 315 average, like." 400 stolen bases like you you just keep going and naming the stuff and granted at the time the dude was consistently hitting 320 hitting 30 plus home runs a year driving in a ton of runs but injuries obviously slowed him down and now his k rate's gone up so much it's just at this point yes i think overrated because one of the dude can't stay healthy um but he is still obviously he's not going to finish with the career talent so he's not going to finish with the career over 300 I'll call that right now, and I'll be well. No, I, I, well, I don't think that'd be a bold prediction to say so, right? Like nobody hits over three. He's at three hundred three so. for those of you yeah. don't know. Is well, he, and that's kind of. Let's see where, where where's he at on home runs. He is at. Uh, is hold up, three fifty. He is thirty one. Yep. He so he he won't even six hundred. Fuck no! It'll be it'll be close. I mean, if the dude plays nine more seasons, but well, he's going to be cool. forty years old. Well, I'm not saying so he's Albert Pujols, but Pujols was 42 and hit 700. So you think he can't hit 100? No, less? but what I'm saying is like you think he's going to track. What would that be? So he has to hit 250 home runs over the next nine years, which is about Quick 27 math. a year. Yeah, that's that's hard, man. Towards the last four years of his career, he's going to be lucky to hit that. Lucky yeah, to hit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that with you. 28. But you got to think too. Back in 2018. Um, before he had all these injury hit problems, if he had even played like a majority of the seasons he's been playing the last three years, he'd obviously have way more than 350. But we're not here to talk about what ifs. So hang on. Um, I want to say one more thing too. Do you want to know how many guess how many stolen bases he has over the last three years total? Well, my guess is it's 42. probably less than 20. Four? Oof. Wow. Yeah. Four. So not a runner anymore. Maybe he was never. Maybe I'm. Maybe he was never. I don't know. <laughs> no, he was stealing. Yeah, uh, tw- in between twenty to thirty. There okay, for, I, I mean, in the first for, first couple of years of his career, he stole thirty three and forty nine. Yeah. All right. So here's you. Want, so I just, I just want to get on the pedestal about Albert, um, and and comparing him to Trout one more time because Albert is the greatest player of my generation. Um, Albert once before he turned the age of forty, once in his career. 
played less than 100 games. And in that year, he played fucking 99. So, yeah. That's all I got to say about um, about if 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 you're great, you find a way to play. Baseball is not a physically strenuous. So before he turned you know, forty, you know, once, once, well, and COVID, yes. but yeah, no, but that season he, doesn't for, for for he turned forty during the COVID year. So oh, before gotcha. he turned forty, before he turned forty, he had one year, twenty thirteen, where he played ninety nine games. Yep, Mike Trout. Other than that, other thirty. <laughs> Other than that, the, his lowest year, his lowest amount of games played was 117 in 2018. Gotcha. Again, you people can come at me all they want. Not saying he's a bad player. I'm just saying they need to check themselves before they realize like what what they're getting into when they say that he's the greatest baseball player uh, of all time, or 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 he's the yeah. be- he's just so good. Don't get me wrong, he's good, but you know. Yeah. I'll end it there. Um, <laughs> I still got four more of these, so let me jump into my next one. Um, big prediction. Time, 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 time. One, one more time. One time. <laughs> a great, a great comparison to Mike Trout in terms of like the he never like reached full potential. Mike Trout is Ken Griffey Jr. No, Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the greatest players of all time. Not, not saying he's like the greatest. <laughs> he's like. Ken Griffey is top seven all time. So I don't Ken know if Griffey you never out on that one either, but never won a world series. Yeah, he, but uh, let's, let's talk about that too. Right. Like I I've been hearing a lot of this <laughs> on, on sports media lately is we've gotten too far. Actually, Damian Lillard said it best and maybe it's cause he's never won a ring, but is that, that we're that putting, a, I think we're putting too much. Midget. We're wow. Um, we're putting too much. <laughs> like, I never met any tall midgets. <laughs> we're putting too much into guys winning rings, right? We act like that. That should just be something that's easy for good players to do, especially in a sport like the MLB when you're one guy on a team of nine and you play one position on both sides of the ball. Um, but to be the greatest, if you want to be considered top of all time, you've got to at least win one. Fair, yeah. but the dude that's played on the Mariners and the Reds. <laughs> so I, I hear you, but, I also like, I think that you can't take away from his success as a player individually from being very good. Yes, I agree. Like if you're going to be considered the greatest or even maybe top five, you got to at least win one ring, but he's still one of the greatest players to ever play. So where that's I, kind of where, where I, was I was going with that. With that where I, I was going, where I was going with it was like, he like was the injury, the, great, the greatest player of his time had the injury problems. Could okay. never stay healthy when he, when he went to Cincinnati. Like that's, that's where fair. I was going with it. But that's, I'll, I'll go. Um, before we head on, if he, if he, if Sports Center and everywhere else is going to say that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are one, two, or top five talent in baseball, and they can't win a ring together, then fuck out of here with them being good, like That's great right. players. Fuck, fuck winning a ring, make the playoffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> they haven't too. made the playoffs, I think, since like 2015, and they made it in, in Mike Trout's tenure. They've made the playoffs one time because the the whole time Pools was at the Angels, they made the playoffs one time. Like That's, That's embarrassing. 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 Um, my next big prediction was just uh, Jose Ramirez is going to win AL MVP. It's it's about damn time this dude deserves some recognition. He's finished top six in MVP voting every year for the last six years. He's somebody who consistently bats around 300, hits 30 plus home runs, steals 20 to 30 bases, gets on base. He's just been on a team that's been so up and down with like being good, not being good, being good, not being good. I know there's a lot of talent in the AL, but I think this is going to be his year. So 
That's funny because when Jared asked if there was going to be like a disappointing player, that was going to be my pick. No, oh, well, I beg to differ. <laughs> You're playing- he is. I feel like he's he is on the downslope of his career now. Like just because the trajectory he's went so fast, year. right? He's, he's 30, thirty. He's already thirty. Now nah, he's already thirty. Prime. So oh. he's dipping down. He the peak was here. He's going down. He was on Mark. that that Indians. World Series train. He was so good then. Peaked, and now he's coming down. Arenado's 31 and finished second MVP voting last year, and Goldschmidt won at 34. So and our, I'm just our, saying. Jose, Jose Ramirez is not Nolan Arenado. But I think he's going to be very good. I don't, care, how, I don't so, care whoever wants to think that. It's fucking need to go to the loony bin. You also have to take it. You also have to factor into um, the competition that he'll play. You play a very weak AL Central in terms of pitching. Um, and you play in a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark. So that's just kind of where I'm going with it. I, I, I get there's a lot of talent out there. I still think that he's going to yeah. have a very good year. Will he I'm not saying 30's old. But, no, I know. But well, I, think, I, think he peaked er, I think he so. peaked early, though, is what I'm saying. Plus 1,500, Jose Ramirez. Plus 1,500, American League MVP. Guys in front of him, Vlad Guerrero, uh, Alvarez, uh, J-Rod, Trout, uh, Judge, and Otani. You we need to cool, we need personally cool Jets will, on the Julio Rodriguez train. You will also never win an MVP, in my opinion. I could be wrong. As a DH, Jordan Alvarez no. is not going to win MVP. Like no, he he plays half his time at DH and half his time in right field. I think Guerrero um, strikes out too much. Now, granted, if they play Jose Ramirez at DH half the season, that's going to hurt his chances too. But if they play him at third base primarily, different story. So we'll see. Yeah, who was um, number one? Number one, Otani by a country mile, plus 150. Anytime you got a guy who plays both positions, it's, he's always going to be one of the top choices. So, But, but you can only win. Year, but can you win? No, I don't think so. Did he? No, he did not. Aaron Judge hit like fucking 80 home runs. Can you win? <laughs> do you think it would be fair to give him a Cy Young and an MVP? Can you do that? Well, I think Absolutely. did Verlander Verlander I think won MVP and Cy Young back in like 2011, I believe. I know he no, There's no, definitely been people who've yeah. done it before. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so it, it does happen. That, that's, that feels that feels like if you're a pitcher, you shouldn't be eligible for MVP too. Fucking yeah, you're already winning an award. There's been 10. There's been 10 that have done it. So, yeah. Interesting. There you go. Okay. Um All right. Third Next. one. You guys are going to like this one, and you may agree, disagree, doesn't matter. Um, may not even be a bold prediction. That's why I'm calling it big predictions. But since he made the opening day roster, Jordan Walker is going to be the NL Rookie of the Year, and he's going to finish top 10 in MVP voting. Calling it now. Oof, he's going to be the God Albert damn. Pujols of 2001. I mean, the du- I mean this the dude, dude is generational talent. Yeah, and, and if he comes right, up and Travis. disappoints, then he comes up and disappoints, but... You just said that Mike Trout was generational talent and his shit in his hand, essentially. Um, Jordan Walker, though, for everyone who wants to know, rookie of the year. He is not the number one National League rookie of the year. He's plus 340. Anyone take a stab at, at, at who? I don't know who this fucking dude is, but there's a guy in front of him. Anthony Volpe is in the AL. Gunnar Henderson's in the AL. Um, he has an alliteration team. name. I don't fucking know what team he plays for. I mean, this dude's name, he's a douchey-ass name. Corbin Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll, I think, plays for the Nats. 
I think. I think. Good player. Um, he plays but, for the Diamondbacks. Oh, look at me being wrong. Yeah, so he, um, he, he, ain't, he ain't winning shit. Uh, that Diamondbacks team might be sneaky this year. Left too. fielder, um, 5'10", 165. No fucking way. Get in the weight room, yeah. pussy. Dude sounds like a pussy. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking do a double leg sweep on that guy and take his ass down. Either either way, um, Jordan Walker's a star. And I think it's hard. It's hard too, right? Because we've put so much like expectations and pressure on the kid. You hope it doesn't get he's to 20, him. Man. He gets up he's here. 20. If we, but, and if we, and he's only 20, here's right? A, he's only 20. Here's another crazy thing. If we hold off for a good amount of time, I think we could have another potential rookie of the year candidate next year. Mason Wynn. Yeah. But I, I don't want to see that happen because I want, I want him to be our shortstop by May. Like that. <laughs> so I know I'm saying if that happens, <laughs> yeah, I he is very um, good too. Like and and or Jared's right. Like the kid's twenty. He came up. He's in the majors before Pujols got to the majors. So like, I want. I hope that fans can like take some pressure off the kid if he struggles at first because he's gonna be good eventually. Like he'll get there no matter what. I just hope he comes out guns ablazing, hits thirty some home runs this year, bats like two ninety, and steals some bases at six six two fifty whatever his height is. Kid's a monster. Kind of like Nolan Gorman though in terms of like how young he is. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, here's our thing. Here, here's our thing. It's either gonna it's either gonna pan out for us or it's gonna blow up in our face. Um, I don't think it's gonna blow because, up in our face. Dude, just these kids, like that's a lot of pressure not, for 20-year-old kids. Not because, not winning rookie of the year isn't isn't gonna be a failure, uh, yeah. in my eyes, though. Honestly, like, if he can hit well, if he can hit two fifty, that's yep, fine. That's what I was about to say. I think that is he one is he is, he's is, gonna, is he in the starting nine? He will be opening day for sure. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that he won't be one because the young is injured. Great. I hope he doesn't get called back up anyways. Um, <laughs> no, offense, no offense to Paulie D, but I've had my run with you, buddy. I hope um, you're probably going to see Lars in left O'Neill in center and Jordan Walker in right. Because I also think Carlson, he struggled a little bit in the, in spring training. I do not know if he'll start to start the season. Um, then you're gonna have Edmund at short, Donovan at second. Obviously, your staples on the corners and Wilkerson Contreras behind the plate. So, and you also have a DH spot they have to think about too. So even if he doesn't play the field, it might be a DH or it might be Burleson or Yepes or whoever. Because all for, for those of you who aren't, for those of you who aren't Cardinals fans, I'm sorry. So anyway, um, the Cardinals also have, also have another rookie of the year on on the books that you can bet on. You want to take a guess at who it is? It's not Mason Wynn. No, it's probably Matthew Liberatore. Um, or plus four thousand. Yeah. Plus four thousand. Yeah. Um, which oh. he's not. He's not going to win Rookie of the Year. I can tell you that. But I, I will say that he probably will find his way into our rotation. One because Wayno's hurt, and um, I'm I'm gonna be shocked honestly if Wayno starts half the year. Like that's just kind of where I'm at right now. So you got to find people to fill that rotation. Libertor's young. I don't think that Gordon Graceffo or Tink Hints are quite there yet, as good as they might be. Um, but anyways, Jordan Walker is going to be damn good. The last thing I wanted to, point I wanted to make for why I think he's going to be really good this year specifically is the amount of protection he has around him in the lineup. There's going to be pitchers that are going to be way more worried about Arenado, Goldschmidt, Contreras, um, even like Edmund at the top of the lineup and trying to make sure he doesn't get on base. Like you, you've got so many other guys to worry about that if you can just plug Walker somewhere in the middle of that, 
yeah, it, like he's gonna get to see so many good pitches this year, I think. So good, good opportunity for him. But all right, we have drugged this one on, so I got two more. I don't got to spend too much time on them. Uh, the next one I had, and is gonna go back to you guys hating this one and kind of going against everything that Travis has said. And maybe it's not so much about the Angels, but more so about the other team that I'm gonna talk about. But the Angels are gonna finish with a better regular season record than the Dodgers this year. The Dodgers did not do anything in the offseason. They lost some pieces. They do still have Kershaw. I get that their pitching still looks pretty good. But I'm just, I'm really just not overly impressed with their lineup. They're I mean, they're obviously always right there in the mix. Great team. They have a tough division to play in this year. The Padres, I think, should run away with that division as much as I don't want them to. They're I think they're gonna win 100 plus games. The Diamondbacks got a little bit better and they have good pitching. The Rockies suck. Um, and then the Giants are the Giants where sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. But the Angels Jared sounds like a fucking hobo digging through a damn dumpster back there. <laughs> the Angels, they the Angels, the difference is, is the Angels did make some moves and they they picked up um guys like I think they have yeah, I don't know what's going on in the background right there. Um <laughs> it's true. But, uh, fucking crushing cans. <laughs> but you have um obviously your generational talents like Otani and Trout, <laughs> even if they may not be like we just had this whole argument, we're not gonna go back into it. They have those guys, but then they also signed um several other guys. I mean, hopefully you have Anthony Rendon healthy, but he probably won't be, and he'll probably bat 220 anyways. You have Hunter Renfro that you added, you have Brandon Drury. Um What's his face that's playing right? Taylor Ward um, was really good last year, and I think will continue to get better. Jared Walsh is always right there. Luis Ren, Ren, I would say his last name wrong. Renhifo, Renhifo, I don't know, was really good last year coming up. So they've just got a lot of good pieces on offense. The thing that the Angels always struggle with is pitching. They got Patrick Sandoval and a couple other guys. Were they, were they going to throw a wide receiver in that lineup? At did I say wide receiver? Yeah, no, Hunter Renfro. Oh. I thought I actually said it and I was like, God damn it. I've been talking too much. Um, uh, that's a great question though. Um, but that's I, funny. Cause if, if, if Jarrett were to make this prediction, it'd be horribly wrong. Every year since we started this podcast, Jarrett has said the angels were going to make the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> every I, fucking year. <laughs> I will honestly, it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs because of the division they're in. Again, I talked about it earlier, the Astros, You've got the Mariners on the come up. You've got the Rangers on the come up. But I still think that they can win 90 games, and I think the Dodgers might sit somewhere around like 85 to 88. I'm be honest. Doesn't mean they won't make the playoffs um, because, you know, you got a weak NL Central where the Cardinals should run away with it. The NL East, you've got the Mets, Phillies, and Braves. So that leaves open two playoff spots for – like the Padres and Dodgers, because I don't know if anybody else in that division is going to win it, even though those teams have gotten a little bit better. So um, that's just my bold prediction for that one, is that I think the Angels will finish with the better record of the two L.A. teams. My last big prediction, this one I think is my boldest, but maybe it's not too bold. I'm going to shit-talk the Mets again. I think the Mets win less than 90 games this year. Um, I talked about it because their two ace pitchers are getting a lot older. Um, you just lost probably the best closer in the entire MLB for the entire season. Um, you've got a really good lineup, but I'm just like, if if your pitching doesn't show up, 
you're in a you are in probably the toughest division in the MLB. The Braves are so good. The Phillies got a whole lot better. The Marlins have some of the best pitching in the MLB right now. Um, and then I'm blanking. Oh, the Nationals are the Nationals. Whatever. I don't know. They'll probably win 50 games. But I just I I think that even if the Mets make the playoffs, they're gonna win less than 90 games. That's that's just my opinion. So Tommy You're, Trumpets this year. No Tommy Trumpets, unless they unless he passes it on to somebody else. But um, so there's my there's my five big predictions. Um, I don't have any division winners for you or anything like that right now, other than I think the Cardinals should win the NL Central by 15 plus games. That's just my opinion. Um, it's it's going to be a blood. I think it'll be a bloodbath. Personally, I don't think any Brewers have really good pitching, so they'll be competitive. Their lineup is horrible. Um, Chicago might end up having some decent hitting. I don't think they have a great rotation. So it's kind of the flip side and the pirates and reds are just still too young for me to, to be competitive. So. All right. That's all I got. There you have it. There's, there's your MLB talk. We will touch more on MLB come August, um, <laughs> October. <laughs> all right. Uh, so since we are taking a week off, where we want to touch a little bit on the UFC because we have do have a big card coming up uh, next weekend. Um, we won't talk about the Masters because I don't want to bore you guys to death. But I will tweet out my Masters picks for you guys because I started diving into them today, and there are some gems that I love. Uh, so without further ado, UFC 287. Um, Jarrett, let's kick yeah. it off. We'll do do any parlays at the end. Um, okay. Let's kick it off with the very first fight and then we'll go so, up from there. You don't have to say anything unless you don't like it. So I'm just going to right now. I don't have anything straight until the beer shark fight. Uh, everything else before that is in a parlay. Perfect. Same as me. Um, and I think we both have Gerald mirror shark. He is just, um, He's just so experienced. He's just a just a fucking seasoned vet. Thirty five and fifteen. The dude's fought fifty fucking fights inside of an octagon. Going up against Joe Pfeiffer, who don't get me wrong, coming off of uh, Dana White's contender series, coming off of a win. It took, it took him. It, it, it took him twice though. He lost his first Dana White contender series. Fight. He did. He got knocked out by fucking uh, wow. Stoltzfus. Um, yeah, but then he won his second one. So he took it. He lost his first one. Went back to the regional scene. Came back to Dana White's contender series, knocked somebody out, and then knocked a guy out in the first round of his uh, UFC debut, technically. But you're going up against a guy who just has years and years of experience. Not to mention he's an underdog, which is why I like it more. Like it was an, I like him as an underdog. I also like him to win by submission, to be honest that's, with you. That's, I think that's the only way he does win. I mean, he's got 27 he submission. submission wins of his 35 wins. I know. I think I like him by submission. And I think I like it by submission after this dude wears himself out. So I also like the over one and a half at plus one hundred five. I don't hate it. So I, so I, and I know it's like you're Jarrett, Jarrett first, your first straight bet on the card. You're gonna do a triple bet here. You have Mearshart, Mearshart by sub over one and a half. Listen, at least one of them is gonna hit. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just the only way I see Hopefully, it. Hopefully, unless he gets fucking yeah. slept in the first round. Um, but yeah, no, I like that. I like that. We're both on him. I have a, I have a small pick in the next fight, unless you don't, or if you don't. 
Um, I'm looking at my phone. Is Chase phone. Sherman and Chris Barnett? I like I like um, Barnett at plus one ninety. Yeah, very small amount. Not going to hammer this or, yeah. or do anything too crazy. But dude, Chase Sherman literally just eats punch. Like his diet consists of fucking punches to the face. Is what it is. He has. I'm not kidding. He's lost five of his last six. This dude's horrendous. He just loves getting hit for some reason. And not to mention, also, he looks like Jared, so he's got a punchable face. Wow. <laughs> You're saying this kid? Right? Fucking like NPC. Dude, click on his picture. Tell me that doesn't look like you if you could grow even the slightest bit of facial hair. A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. I also, don't weigh 256 pounds, but yeah. You're um, also not 64, so. I, I I'm close. I also th- I think I look a little bit like like Chris Barnett. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> they also have a common they also have a common opponent, uh, Jake Collier, uh, where Chris Barnett knocked him the fuck out in the second round, and I'm pretty sure Chase Sherman got submitted by him. He did yeah. in the first round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris Barnett's not going to submit anyone. Though the dude is five foot nine and weighs 270 pounds, uh, so he is giant. He's the dude that when he wins, he has a front flip and lands on his ass in the octagon. If you've ever seen that, that's him. He's the fucking fattest human being I've ever seen. That's like that's got Maui. somewhat athleticism. All right, let's keep it rolling. I do have one in the next fight. <laughs> um, I like Michelle uh, Hottie Karate. Walterson, yeah, is that I'm, her? I'm, yes, that's her. I'm, 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 I'm betting against her against with this Luana Pinheiro girl. Um, I like a straight up minus one seventy five. It's probably my biggest like straight bet of the card in terms of like worst value. Um, she's also in my parlay, but I mean, look at you look at the hottie karate. I mean, she's lost four or five coming in. I get she beat Angela Hill. That but that win against Angela Hill and a split in a split decision was very, very controversial. A lot of people think she should have lost that fight. Um, so if you really take that into effect, she's lost five in a row. You know, this Pinero girl, she's coming over um from Danny White Contender series where she KO'd somebody in the first round. She got a DQ, she won by DQ in her first real official UFC fight, and then won by decision. But she is ten and one. 2-0 via TKO, 5-0 via submission. Never lost inside a distance. So never I, I like her to get it done. Never lost. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I like that too. Don't have it, but I will probably add it. Move on to the next one. Michael Chiesa, Li Jingliang. Um, this one is hopefully going to be a good fight unless Michael Chiesa just, you know, does some crotch sniffing the entire time. Michael Chiesa is a chump, dude. I've never liked this kid. He's yeah. I I, I saw I saw the video I saw the video today of when he got into it at the press conference with Kevin Lee because Kevin Lee said something about his mom. I got tickets to the show. He's like, "Don't you mention my mama? Don't you ever say my mama's name?" And got in his face. I'm like, "Dude, chill the fuck out. Like, you're it's not that serious." So he's a Kevin Lee. All right, I'm gonna try this food and rate it one through ten. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> Michael Chiesa has uh, not fought a year and a half. He hasn't won in two and a half years. Li Jing Liang, I mean, this dude is just a certified he's, brawler. He's yeah. He's a, yeah, and he's a brawler, dude. He's not afraid to get in there and hit somebody. If he wins, he will likely – I mean, it's going to be a, a – he's going to make him a punching bag. If not, he's just going to get humped to death on the ground. So I'll take Li Jing Liang at the plus money there. 
Me too. Plus one sixty only Jing Liang. I mean, this is a guy that's beat that, that beat Ponzinibbio. So I mean, he's definitely got some some striking power. Also, contrary to Kiesa, this dude has fought five times since twenty twenty. So yeah, and Kiesa does not like to punch at all. So there you have that. No. Next, you have anything in the Kelvin Gastelum Chris Curtis fight? I do. I actually do like. I. I, I think. I mean, Charles talking about this when we went to dinner last weekend. Could decide who I like. I think I'm going to lean Chris Curtis just because I think Kevin Gaslam's on his way out. I think Kevin Gaslam loses fight and gets cut from UFC. Um, Kevin Gaslam was spot. never really good. I don't know why yeah, he it, was thought of as being good. Yeah, and <laughs> really, I mean, look at his last five fights. He's lost four or five. He beat Ian Heinish by unanimous decision. Um, other than that, a lot of his fights go to go to decision, which is boring as shit. Um, lost a split decision to Darren Till. I mean, it's just it's not good. Actually, you want to go back even further than that. He's lost five of six, so he got a title fucking fight. What the hell is this shit? Um, got a title fight from yeah. Izzy after beating Jacare Souza and Michael Bisping, who at that point that was Michael Bisping's. I think that was his last fight. Um, yeah. Yes, it was his last fight, and so he had one eye and no knees. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> no shit, you're gonna beat him. Uh, yeah, I like Chris Curtis as well. There, it's a good pick. Yep. Don't have anything straight up in the next fight in the Rahul Rojas fight. Uh, oh, no, no. Um, I'm go. I'll sprinkle a little bit on Pons Nibio, but I know Jared has Kevin Holland in his parlay because we talked about it. But I don't have I, anything. I, I I do not. I took I took Kevin Holland out of my parlay. I don't like it anymore. I okay. like the under two and a half. I like the under of two and a half in this fight at even money. Under of two and a half at even money. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't hate it, but that means likely Kevin Holland's probably going to win because yeah. this dude's tougher than nails. I mean, he's lost his last two. He just got knocked out by Stephen Thompson. So. Yeah, but that dude was getting ate up the entire time. We'll see. We'll see. I don't hate it. I. I just. Don't uh, favor any over or under in that fight. So, Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, anything? Over two and a half. Minus 125. Fair enough. Uh, There's nothing worthy in this Gilbert Burns-Jorge Masvidal fight. If there is a prop bet anywhere that Jorge Masvidal will get uh, crucified in the ring and (laughs) have to be buried, I would bet on that. Because that's what's going to happen. He went on yep. Joe Rogan's podcast last week and said that he he is he claims that he is going to bury Gilbert Burns. Hmm. He said about he said about about Colby too. And I seen a lot of TikToks were like, "Oh, Gilbert's fight style doesn't match up well with with Masvidal because he's, he's anyone's fight style matches up with Masvidal. He's old. Gilbert Burns is gonna is gonna it's gonna be a boring ass fight. Everyone be prepared for it. It's be boring as shit." Gilbert's but he's going to probably, I mean, he's going to 30-27 and maybe 30-26. Yeah. yeah, he's going to ragdoll him the whole time. He might get him in a position where he can submit him, maybe. Doubt it, but yeah. Um, And then we got the main fight, the main event, uh, the, well, the middleweight title fight, Alex Pereira, who just beat Israel Adesanya recently. Um, knocked him out in the fifth round after he was losing pretty much the entire fight. How do you see this one playing out? Do you see Israel Adesanya 
doing a little bit more grappling? Do you see it playing out the same? What's up? All right. So the only way Izzy wins this fight is if he tries to wrestle because Alex Pereira cannot wrestle in the slightest. I saw Instagram post the news today, today or yesterday that Izzy working on his wrestling in camp. Here's the problem. You can't it looked like he was, it looked like he was wrestling fucking mannequins is what it looked like he was wrestling. Yeah. You can't just learn to wrestle in like eight weeks in a fight camp. Like it just it doesn't come to you like that, especially when Pereira's going to walk into the ring, probably weighing every bit of 225. Like this dude is a fucking mean child. Talking about, this dude is a fucking robot. I don't think he's, I don't think he's from this planet. I think he's a fucking <laughs> plant from the government. This dude is insane. Ethan, just just for reference, this dude literally started to fight UFC <clears throat> just to beat Israel Adesanya. Like that's his, that was his only goal. Because Izzy beat him, uh, Izzy lost to him twice in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. That was like one of his only two, uh, only few losses in kickboxing. And then it, it, Izzy started talking shit on Pereira about how he didn't, you know, it, you know, it was lucky, blah blah. So Pereira tried to start training mixed martial arts. Came to UFC. Obviously, beat him. So, like, that's his only mission in life. And you can tell anytime Izzy looks at him, he's scared to fucking death. Like, absolutely mortified. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> he is. Dude chases you around the fucking world to try to beat you everywhere you go. So, yeah. obviously. <laughs> so, here, here, here's my thing I think the Pereira's ability to fight unorthodox um, is, going to conf- is going to once again confuse Izzy. If Prayer starts slow and lets Izzy pin him against the cage again, though, and grapple and get close and do his body shots and all that stuff, that's the only way he loses. I think Prayer's got the upper hand here. He has really nothing to lose. I mean, he has a title to lose. I see it playing out. Pereira, round three, TKO. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the only way he's going to win is by knockout. So if you're going to bet Prairie, you might as well bet him by by knockout. Obviously, there's no chance of him finishing him. Um, and he hits too hard for him to piece him up throughout a five-round fight to win by decision as well. Um, so he's going to have to knock him out. So if you're going to want to get value, I mean, you could probably get a little bit more than just plus 120, but probably not a whole lot. So, But I would I'll probably pick – I'll take prayers straight out. Yeah, not I don't love it, but it's not a sexy pick for for me. I'm not like ooh, that's great because there's definitely a path for Israel Adesanya to win this fight, but I just don't know what it's going to be. Gotcha. Uh, All right. I mean, if if Izzy wins, it's by decision for sure. Probably so. Yeah. Okay. Give me your parlay, Ethan. Do you have anything to add? By the way, do you have any picks at all? Usually find a gem here and there. No, I uh, I did <laughs> throw a little parlay together as you guys were talking, and maybe it's going to be the exact same one that Jarrett has. Um, I have, one but one. I like uh, Gerald. Is it Mearshart? Is that what you said? Mearshart. Mearshart. Um Luana, Chris Curtis, and then Alex Perea. Just fucking throw them together. Is a uh, plus. 1460 parlay. So who is Luana? Oh, Luana Pinheiro. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I have one very, very close to that, Ethan. That's I so I have two lays. I have like a, a, a straight favorite lay, and I have a I have a dog lay. 
Madogla is Barnett, Font, and Pereira. Um, it's plus 1459. So it's a three-legger. Um, so. Say yours again, Ethan. Uh, it was uh, Mir, Mirshart, Mirshart. Mirshart. Right. Mirshart. Chris Curtis. Luana Pinierjo. Pin, I'm, I'm making all this yep. shit up, apparently. You go. Um, and then Alex Perea. Uh, all money line. Okay. <laughs> two dogs, two favorites, both all very close though in terms of odds, and then it's plus fourteen sixty. So, yeah, okay. That's what my Jared, what's your what, what's your big favorite one? So I have the first fight of the night, Amarim. Yep, uh, me too. Yep, uh, I got uh, Godinez in mind. Yep, me too. Low Loopy. Yep, low, yeah, her name's fucking Loopy Godinez. <laughs> Loopy Godinez, baby. Um, Pinero. Is it mine? Rosas Jr. Yep. And Gilbert Burns at plus 408. So I have all of them except for uh, the one girl's name, Pinheiro. Mine's and yeah. it's plus 220. So if you want to add her, and it's, uh, what was it, 408? Plus 408. All right. There you go. There you, go. you got Ethan's dog lay. We'll see if it hits. It could be great. It could be massive for him. Uh in his uh, UFC parlay building skills, and then me and Jared's favorite. <laughs> My I'm not sure we'll get lost. I'm not sure we'll get lost on some bullshit. So it'll be the last like fucking but, Masvidal, fucking Ben Askren his ass or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. You still got a week and a half. There, there, there might be some shit that changes or, or stuff, but sh- probably shouldn't be anything world changing. Just some slight stuff. Uh, look out for next week. Since we're not doing a podcast, there will be some Masters stuff comes out on the Twitter account. Look at that from me. Uh, big Masters better. Other than that, you guys got anything before we head out? Did you say you're nope. a Master better or a Master Bader? <laughs> Ma- uh, master master Bader. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> that it? That's it. I think, I think that's the show. That's the show. Jared, Before we go, Jared's going to continue to entertain us with his fucking peanut butter looking skills over there. So no shit. <laughs> sorry guys. I mean, I'm sorry. I am eating. It's beer, beer infused beef jerky. So that's what I'm eating. Mm. It's, it's that a, sounds uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's an IPA from Zipline Brewing Company. So before we go, if you've listened this far, um, I was going to mention at the beginning of the show, but I, it slipped my mind. Um, do want to give condolences, thoughts, prayers to all of the families involved in the Nashville uh, school yes, sure. shooting incident. So didn't want to be ignorant to that, but throw it in at the end of the show if anyone's still listening. So without that, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Peace. Peace. Peace out.